0: your
1: property podcast comes to you with thanks to our friends at trafalgar square finance leading independent specialists in mortgages and all types of property finance whether it's buy to let development or bridging finance trafalgar square can help you organize your funding for your next property project exclusively to listeners of your property podcast Trafalgar Square offer a free one-to-one consultation. So whether you are a portfolio landlord looking to raise funds on your existing portfolio or if you're just starting out and want to find out if you are eligible for a buy-to-let mortgage, Trafalgar Square Finance can help. It's easy to book with one of their experienced consultants by simply visiting yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash finance. You can find this link in the show notes for more details. Hello and welcome to YPN, your property podcast. My name is Michelle Cairns and today we've got with us Chris Moss. Hi Chris.
0: Hey Michelle, nice to be here. Thank you for having me
1: great it's great to have you on and i know we have kind of uh you know crossed paths in various uh ways before on social media and through different networking meetings and groups um, and it's been great to kind of see what you have been up to and how you have brought um your background in marketing through to the property world and uh, you know and what you're doing now to help property entrepreneurs so i think you know today's going to be a really interesting podcast for people who are interested in how they can raise their profile um it's a topic that i think daunts some people um so it's great to have you on and you know it'd be great to kind of dig into what people can do um if they are a bit nervous about getting in the in the limelight so to speak so um but first of all do you want to just give us a, a quick overview of yourself and you've done some property um portfolio building in, in your own
0: uh, in your own way as well so let's start there yeah, sure, sure. Absolutely. So a bit of background on me. So I started my first marketing company about 11 years ago, something like that, when I was in my second year at university and scaled that business to a team of 20. And um, we had an office on Oxford Street in London and worked with around about 300 large national brands to help them market themselves online. So sort of your O2s, Domino's, those types of companies. And then around about four years ago, I launched the oversubscribed marketing company. And that was after a bit of insight into the property world, which I'll sort of hopefully share a bit more on. And the oversubscribed marketing company helps property entrepreneurs raise their profile online. As you've said, it can be something that's daunting um, and we do all the heavy lifting. And yeah, that, that's what the oversubscribed marketing company is now does. Um, so yes, that's a bit of background on on me. And then from a property perspective, as you mentioned, I built a small portfolio uh, over an 18-month period, um, which sort of gave me that insight into the property world, which is really where the inspiration for Oversubscribe came from, because I had this background in marketing and knew what a lot of other industries were doing. And there was a lot of stuff that property and the property industry wasn't doing but other sectors were and it was sort of merging those insight into the property from growing my portfolio but also having the background and um, other marketing company that I own.
1: Right so, yeah. and so what did you notice about when you kind of stepped into this property world, property education world which uh, seems very kind of underground for people who who aren't familiar with it but um, coming into this community I suppose what did you notice what gaps did you notice what people were missing in terms of their own profile and marketing?
0: Yeah, so I guess from a I guess it's a gift and a curse that property is potentially a very stable thing. So if you've got a portfolio, you potentially don't need to do that much marketing, in theory, and various other things, because it is quite stable. But what that I sort of realized is coming into this world is that there's um, a lot of tactics that people are using in other industries that aren't necessarily being translated into property. Um, The sort of first one that hit me when I first started going to networking events was um, the quality of branding that Companies would have like a 99p logo with a picture of a house uh, and like a Vista print card. Not the, <laughs> it was like the. Made on Canva as well. It was exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. It was like the industry standard. Um, and then I came across a handful of small co- uh, other companies that we'd both be very aware of that actually were doing incredibly well. And one of the reasons for that was is that they really understood what we talk about, which is like perception is reality. So they had branded themselves correctly, they had nice looking websites, they had professional logos, and all these other elements. And that was when I sort of realised, okay, there's, there's potentially a huge easy win here for the property community that does understand this uh, and apply some of those tactics.
1: Yeah, I think some people I find are in the camp of, well, I, I don't need to do this. You know, they might be coming from a corporate world where they're not um, comfortable in social media, for example, or having a brand and they don't really see that need to do that in the property world. Um, and then there's other people who they really get stuck at this step, first stage if they need a business card and they need a website, mm-hmm. And then they don't know where to go or how to find how, you know, to find somebody reliable or how much to spend and what is a reasonable amount. Um, and and rather than kind of getting out there and, and doing sort of income generating tasks as well, um, that they kind of procrastinate and stay stuck. So what would you advise people who um are looking to start their brand, but they don't know where to start?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I totally I totally get that when you've got a million things going on and I've been there uh, a number of years ago where you've got sales to do, you've got marketing, you've got operations, you've got to find stuff. (laughs) I appreciate there's a lot of stuff. And the key really from the branding side of things is don't do it yourself. Um, yeah. mainly because unless you are a designer, it is going to it's not going to look good enough. Like obviously you can go on cat platforms like Canva and you can do it yourself or try. But the reality is it's not going to look world class. People will see that it's not quite there. And um, so, yeah, first thing is don't do it yourself. Find a designer. And it doesn't have to be overly expensive. And there's different levels in which you can pay for for all of this but there's kind of five key assets that I think everyone should have um, and the first one is what I would call or what is called a brand pack and this is a really simple document that any designer can put together that has your logos that you use fonts colors and um, any any clarification in terms of where to use your logo what color backgrounds and it's really the foundational document that once you've got that you can give that to any designer and say look Please can you design me this advert or whatever it might be? And here's my branding guidelines. So that's the first one is a is a is a branding pack, branding guidelines. So that's really clear to anyone. And um, that's the that's the one that if everyone had, all of this would look good because you can give it to someone and they could use Canva, they could use Adobe. It doesn't matter because they know what what you what you like and what is your brand. So that's the first thing. Um, the second is having some form of branded brochure is is the next thing so like rather than when someone inquires about your services they might send you online spoke to you at a networking event most people what they'll do is have long wordy emails or they'll have to talk to them on the phone and try and explain their services whereas if you've got a nice branded document that you can send to someone that clearly outlines structured in the right way then they've got that single document and um, deal sourcing is a great example of this is uh, and I'm sure you've probably seen it or come across them. I've definitely been in. You get sent a deal from, from someone who wants to sell your property, and it's like it's got spelling errors throughout, it's been done on like Word, and it's just it just doesn't inspire you to potentially buy something worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. <laughs> on the flip side, I know deal sources that are charging really premium prices because. They've got a nice looking deck, and when they send it to clients, it's 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 all branded nicely, and it just inspires you that okay, these are a legitimate, trusted company.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And just a few points I want to highlight. First of all, you know, getting that branding pack out and getting making the decision to get get it done. You've got it. You've done it once, and then you can use it forever. And I think you know, people do get stuck at the beginning. But actually, if they just nailed that once and for all at the beginning, made a decision, outsourced it, paid for it and, and had it sorted, um, then you're using it for your whole journey. Now you're probably going to be in property for, you know, well, for, for many people, it, it might be their whole lives, right? Yeah. So to have that um you know that I, as you say there the credibility it builds that confidence um not just in yourself that you're actually going to agents or you're going to landlords or you're going to vendors whatever um you've got something professional and credible to present um but likewise on the other side when they see that they it, it, as you say it inspires confidence from them as well so um Great. I love these tips. The first two. Fantastic. <laughs> Keep going.
0: <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're the first ones. And we can talk about how to get these done and, and sort of what sort of price ranges you should pay for them as well. Um. So, yes, they're the first two. The third one, which would literally put anyone listening in like the top three percent of their industry, is what we call a stationary stack. And basically what that is, is any touch point that you have with a client branding in it correctly so it could be your email signatures for example and i'm sure we've all seen them where you get an email from someone it's got a lovely signature in fact yours is a good example um you <laughs> <Ew. laughs> i was just thinking <laughs> And and it looks really, really smart. And it just puts across that right impression when you email someone versus where you might just see it where it's just got someone's name and it just doesn't give you that credibility. So that's, that's one of the things in the stationary stack. The other is a branded Word document. So whenever you are sending a document out, it might be a letterhead, it could be landlord letters, it could be whatever it might be, whatever touch point you've got with the market is that Branded document just gives you that credibility, um, and then there's lots of others depending on what you do. So, like your social channels, um, your cover photos, um, all of those other touch points, and that varies depending on the company. But as you can imagine, if you've got if you've got your branding pack all sorted, you've got nice marketing material through your brochure, and then every touch point that anyone comes across with you, uh, it then yeah, it just gives that professional feel. We did this for ourselves. Um, and even though we do branding is what we do, um, we gave ourselves a sort of a, a level up um, in Q1 um, in one of my marketing companies. And we actually increased our revenue by 40% by doing wow. nothing other than uh, simply increasing the touch points um, and improving them with the yeah, along our process. And we also included like strategic things in there, like more quotes, um, stats, statistics, testimonials. So it wasn't just the branding, it was the structure okay. of it as well. Um, but yeah, that that 40% equated to hundreds of thousands of pounds in increase by purely just changing changing the strategy and structure of those documents. So yeah, even if whether you're at the start of the journey or sort of further down, like the impact it can have is huge. So with the packs and, and the
1: websites, et cetera, I think one thing that people get stuck on as well is they have different identities, I want to say. So when they're with a, you know, when they're with a landlord, that might be different. Let's say if they're looking for below market value deals or whatever, Um, and then if they go to an agent they might want to present themselves in a different way Um, hopefully a lot most people have got one strategy so let's say they're looking at service accommodation for example Uh, they might want a website that attracts guests and they can book direct but then do they use the same website to attract landlords and investors as well Um, another example if you've got HMOs whether you do you have a tenant facing profile or do you have an investor facing profile um what are your thoughts on that
0: yeah so i think on the so we talk a lot about raising your profile and being uh sort of a market leader within your space and the first thing to just clarify and it's probably the biggest mistake i see within the property community um, and again this is where it's slightly different to other industries is Sometimes people can have multiple things going on. They can have like four or five things. They might be a deal sourcer, a trainer and and do all these different things, which is potentially very confusing to the marketplace because they don't really know what you do. And as a result, you don't really own any of those spaces. You're kind of like a bit of a jack of all trades, potentially. (laughs) Not everyone, but but some. Um, So the the best thing from a marketing strategy perspective is to choose one thing that you want to be known for, and then go all in on that. It doesn't mean you can't do other things. um, But it just means that online, you just talk about that single thing that you do, um, which then means that you get known for something as opposed to no one really knowing. So that's the first thing. And then in terms of your question on how do you choose which like, do you have HMO agency, for example? Do you have on your site something for investors? Do you have something for uh, tenants? Like, how, how do you do it? So there's no clear cut answer for this I'm a, that I have, unfortunately. Um, however, the best case that I've seen um, where people have done this successful is having their personal brand that they use to communicate with investors and um, anyone where it's more of a personal uh, approach even the below market value deal hunting side of things is all from a personal brand and then they have a company brand which is the agency or whatever it might be that is more customer focused um, from a tenant perspective um, I know someone who who's uh, got very like tens of million pounds worth of uh, properties and that's the exact structure that he has and um, which mm. I think works really really well
1: that's a great tip Okay, right. And uh, so I've interrupted your back that's to right. your, your checklist. Go on. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, that's fine. So there's five, five uh, the five different assets that, that I think we should all have. So um, just to recap, branding pack is the first one. Brochure and marketing material is the second. Stationary stack is the third, which is the one that very, very few have, but really does sort of elevate you. And um, then the final two is a one page website. So, again, just a really straightforward website that is structured in a particular way to um, take whoever looks at it on a journey, almost, as opposed to what most people do, which is sort of procrastinate on building a website. They try and overcomplicate it. It's got like eight pages. And and. Granted, it could be really good, but it takes so long to build. The time it's built, it's sort of outdated. So I don't think for anyone early in their journey, that sort of makes loads of sense. A nice clean cut one page website would do the job and be 10 times quicker to build um, and then finally is their social channels so just looking at their social channels are they on point point? and that's for personal branding perspective if you're going down it from that route or from a company brand and um, yeah because again using the deal source example like the amount of times someone reaches out to me and says hey I've got this deal and I'll click through on their social profiles to try and like get some form of credibility who are they and like picture number three is them like down the pub with their mate and I'm like, OK, again, it just doesn't give that impression. So that's the fifth thing is just are your social channels up to speed. If an investor was to look on your channels, would they would they take away what you want them to?
1: Yeah, I think it's something that people do overlook. Uh, too often Um, we had some guys on an apprenticeship and they worked with us and you know I said listen the first thing I'm going to do is google you I'm going to look at your Facebook and I look at your Instagram (laughs) like what can I see and it was just exactly that Um, it's not something that's really talked about in schools either or certainly you know in if you're working for a company and you're very corporate you're probably as I said before more guarded about sharing depends on your industry um anything personal as well so it's it is i suppose getting that balance right between you know coming across as human you don't really want a faceless company and that's it you want to have some sort of uh personal presence and, and that track record as well so important uh and i think that is something that you know having that brand awareness and having that um social media presence really brings that credibility over time so the sooner that you can start the better because then people can really see your journey especially when you know people coming through the property journey and they're starting off and you know going to the networking meetings and then they get their first deal and then it and it goes on and on so um so great and the website you mentioned there what sort of um price point can people you know Uh, expect to pay at a starting point to get a basic website up and running
0: yeah so it is a a minefield to be truth there is a lot of um there's a full spectrum so you can go to places like fiverr.com which is spelt with two r's and on there you can find and access pretty much the the world's freelancing design community as well as (laughs) well as loads of others that i'm sure many people might be aware of and on there you could pay uh, for a one page website probably anything from a hundred pounds up to like i don't know what the upper limit <laughs> is but it's probably like 10 10 000 plus yeah. um i once spent 30,000 pounds on a website which wow. uh yeah yeah was was money wasted <laughs> <laughs> so don't don't go to that extreme plenty of lessons learned um yeah. however yeah you you do pay what you do pay for what you get yeah. you get what you pay for um however you could get something very reasonable for somewhere between 500 and a thousand pounds from someone who's got a good reputation got a track record Like that's the sort of range that you could do um but if you think about the return on investment of that over the lifetime that you have a website especially in property which is sometimes where it can be frustrating is it only takes one deal to pay for all of these different assets that i've just mentioned if everything that I just mentioned is somewhere two to three thousand pounds, that's one de- one deal because or one investor lends you money or like the margins and the, the numbers are so big in property, it's so worth getting right. It's a different conversation if you're trying to sell t-shirts or something like that, because you've got to sell a lot of t-shirts to recoup your money. Um, but with property, then you've only got to move the needle slightly with this stuff for it to really have a big impact.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And In terms of, you know, when you see people who are new to this and, you know, they're they're kind of maybe making some mistakes, as we said before, by using like low quality products. Um, Where do you think, and we mentioned before about having lots of hats on and having lots of different things that we can be spending our time and money on. Where do you think people would get the best return from their money, I suppose, from all of the things that you
0: mentioned? Yeah, so I think the best place to start is the branding pack. So having a professional logo, colours. That's probably the the one that most people skip that step, um, to be yeah. honest. Very few companies yeah. do it. But then that means that they've not got that real solid document to hand over to people moving forward. Um so then they spend so much time, oh no, not quite that colour, not quite this. Whereas if they just had that, it would cut it out. So that's probably that's probably the starting foundation for ev- everyone, I would say. Um yeah, because yeah. then you can build everything from that.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And how about yourself then? So when you you know, got started and you were working, you know, building your portfolio uh, and working with investors and agents, um, how did that, do you, you know, how did you find that? Do you think that, you know, your branding helped you stand out to get extra deals or um, more conversations with agents or vendors?
0: Yes, yeah, so... I'm going against here what I said you shouldn't do. So while I spend all my time uh, and my whole f- my focus is marketing, and that's all I've sort of done, and that's my day-to-day business. Uh, as you said, I, I do have a portfolio of properties that I've been purchasing. And the reason I did that is because I had I had sort of retained earnings, and the 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 marketing company is successful to a. Uh, uh, to a degree and I wanted to invest those retained earnings that we had so I was in a slightly unique position going into it in that I did have a uh a pool of money um and, and an ongoing sort of stream of income however what I did know is that there would become a point where I might want to use investors um I also had very very little time to be able to do uh to be able to go and source properties so it was very hands off for how I did it so I did use a deal sourcer um I I probably spent about an hour a week um and, and bought nine properties over uh, about 10 t- uh, about 15 months something like that, 10 15 months um so it, but it was ve- like it was very very hands off for how I did it but because I had the funds it allowed me to do that however To your point, I knew there was going to become a point where I wasn't able to, um, I was going to need investor funds potentially. So what I started to do is document my journey on my website. So I've got a a personal website, christopher-moss.com. And basically the first nine properties I purchased, they're documented on there, like everything, like the strategy, the exact amount of money I spent, et cetera, knowing, like you said, that there might become a time where having that backlog and credibility could really help me. Um, so yeah, so so building that up. And then rather than me within my network being known as just Chris who really understands marketing, it was also Chris who understands marketing, but uh, he has an interest in property too, which a lot of people in my community, uh, property is not, not what they know. So it was quite a niche place for me to position myself to. Um, And as a result, I was able to, uh, in the end, use 50% of my own cash to buy the properties, and then 50% of an investor's money. So I raised around about 250, 300,000 pounds, uh, purely off the back of me, yeah, knowing some people and having documented that journey. Um, our clients are, are probably more unique examples of this. So, across our clients that we help raise their profile online, um, between them um, over the last twelve months, we've raised about two million pounds worth of investment purely through their social channels. Um, mm. a, one of those was a million pounds. So, one person got offered a million pounds from one person who's following them online. So that sort of pulled up our averages quite a bit. Um, but the the yeah it, it's well worth uh, anyone listening doing. 100%. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, uh, you know, those are really impressive numbers. There are people raising money on, on social media and uh, you know, we hear about it more and more now. Um, I think for people who are not used to posting regularly, let's say, you know, on on, on Instagram or Facebook, um, then they get a bit overwhelmed by what content to put on and whether it should be more personal or more, more professional and, and also about sort of the content being valuable and in, in giving back and making it interesting and informative as well, rather than just here's me at another networking meeting, right? Yeah. So um, so what do you kind of advise people to do in that sense? So is that another, just outsource it, but even when you kind of outsource it, that person still needs to provide the content, sure. right? So how do you yeah. manage that that process?
0: Yeah, so I talk a lot about being a creator and not a consumer on social media. So a lot of people, as you'll appreciate, me included some days, sits there scrolling um, and just wasting time. And that's not where we want to be. It's like it's just a total waste of time. It's not productive. We want to be a creator um, and use these platforms effectively. Um, so that that's sort of the mindset we come from with with all of this. And then if people haven't done a sort of never used it before or just aren't that familiar with it, then choosing one platform. So it might be Facebook, it might be Instagram, whichever one makes the most sense. And then just having one message that they put out. So it's like one platform, one message, and then just starting once a week posting about their journey. Um, And it depends where people are at. If they've got properties already, then they can showcase those. They can do a post type that we call walk the talk. And it's a Wednesday walk the talk. Uh, And that's about on a Wednesday posting a single um, picture of the house you've just purchased or the refurb you're doing or something just to start building that credibility. Even if no one's watching, no one's liking, it doesn't matter because that investor in two years time, when they scroll all the way back by two years and go, okay, they've been doing this for quite some time. It builds that credibility. Um, So, yeah, that's the first thing. uh, If people have got properties, if they haven't, then documenting the journey is the best way. Um, So we have a post on a Friday that we call food for thought. And what food for thought is, is just sharing something in your journey and asking your audience for some input on that. Um, and taking people behind the scenes. Everyone's nosy. Everyone wants to see what you're up to. Um, so that's what that post type is Is all about, is taking that audience on a journey and just giving them insight. It might be that you go to a networking event. It might just be that you're looking around properties, whatever it might be. Um, and even if people just choose one platform post once or twice a week with that and just start to get familiar with the platforms is the is the best thing to do.
1: And do you think there's a um, a better platform for people who are in property, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook?
0: Yeah, so it does depend on who your potential target client is. Uh, and also a little bit to depends on the content that you can create slash want to create. If you're good on video and you like video and you want to go down that route, then Instagram is probably a really good, good platform for that with their reels and um, perform really well um, at the moment. Equally, there's a very large community on Facebook of property people, as as you'll be uh, aware. So, yeah, it depends what you're looking for, but that could work really well. Equally, if you want to tap into professionals and you're looking for high net worth individuals as investors, then obviously LinkedIn is is definitely the place to be because you can search on LinkedIn. by, But like if you want to go and find all the dentists earning more than £100,000 that may want to invest their spare money in, property you can search that on linkedin so yeah
1: right and the social media management is that something that your company can help with or is that something you have to outsource somewhere else
0: yeah so that is something that we do we are actually oversubscribed for the next 12 months we've just finished uh, uh, an intake of new clients so unfortunately it's not something we can help with right now but if someone's interested then obviously they can reach out to me and come next year we could support on that equally i'm always happy to drop a message and guide and stuff like that so yeah that is something um because we don't have the capacity other places yeah. people can look for support on that is again places like fiverr.com however um like you said, you kind of need a bit of an understanding yourself on it to delegate it. What I wouldn't recommend for anyone, including anyone who chooses to work with us is never having to done it, never have done anything before on social and then try and outsource it um yeah. because it just it, it just won't work because you won't understand what they want from you and it's uh you'd be better to understand the basics yourself and then and then outsource it. um so yeah, that's yeah, that that's yeah. That's probably the best way to approach it.
1: Okay. And in terms of the content there, so we touched on a few things with the social media, but actually producing, you said there about being not being a consumer and being a producer. So are there certain types of content that you think are worth more time to invest in creating
0: Yeah, so the main thing is consistency. Um, So while there are certain formats that would work really well, equally, the effort for some people to do that right off the bat might be quite high. Um, So it does depend on sort of where you're at. If you've never done it before, launching a YouTube channel probably isn't a good idea. Um, (laughs) If you've got no time uh, and you don't really know how to do it, then it's probably not a good idea. And equally, any longer form content is generally pretty good um, at the moment, like podcasts, stuff like that, because even if no one listens to them at that point of recording later on down the line, you could send it to someone. So I did a podcast recently where I talked exactly how my strategy, the exact strategy I did for building the portfolio. And that's something now if I wanted to guide anyone to it's a long form piece of content. I can easily guide people to and so yeah I think longer form if if you've got the capacity and the time to do it's great if not just social media is is probably the best place to get started.
1: Fantastic. So you said that you're oversubscribed, which um, is great to hear, because I think, you know, too often companies take on too much, you know, work, they kind of just say yes, and and then they haven't got capacity to actually deliver at the level they want. So, um, so what, what are you up to now then, other than kind of delivering the the clients that you've got? um, What's next?
0: Yeah, so there's two parts to our service. So the one is our content calendar service, is what we call it, and that's our social media management. That's the side that's oversubscribed. And then on a monthly basis, for a small handful of property companies, we create the branding assets that I went through. And um, so that's the that's uh, where our sort of I suppose new business comes from on a monthly basis is creating those. We only uh, have a, a capacity to do a handful every month because, as you'll appreciate, they're quite time consuming. And um, but yeah, that's That's where our focus goes on a outside of managing clients. That's the the other side of the team's focus at the moment.
1: Right. And on a personal level, in terms of your property, do you think you'll be looking to build more of the portfolio or you kind
0: of, you know, you've got enough going on at the moment? Uh, yeah, so uh, so the first properties I um, the, the the properties I bought uh, over that sort of small period were all around Newcastle and in the northeast, um, but with the interest rates, that sort of uh, made those not make as much sense anymore. They're all on fixed interest rates, thankfully, so we're, they're all good. But um, new deals didn't stack up in the same strategy I was doing there. However, we've got um, a current property in Ireland, in Dublin, that we've um, purchased that's currently having a 40 metre extension. And it's quite a bit bigger than what we've done previously. Um, It's also a lot more expensive in Dublin (laughs) than around Newcastle. Um, So, yeah, so that's where from a property investing portfolio side of things um, our focus is. However, as I say, that's all quite hands-off from my side of things. So I, I fund it in short, but then have partners um, that actually uh, make it happen who are far, far more experienced in property than I am because I am not very experienced in property. I understand marketing, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a newbie in property.
1: Well, it just goes to show you if you've got the right partners in place that you don't need to be an expert in everything, that you just do what you do best and then you work with other people and uh, you can still build a portfolio. There'll be many people listening now who do have some funds you know tied up in a business or in in their own properties or whatever and they don't have the time uh, or inclination to go out and learn everything themselves so you know it's inspiring to hear that you've managed to do it anyway and you've just uh partnered up with people and, and made it happen along the way so congratulations
0: thank you yeah my my sort of decision to make was like, do I go on a mastermind? Do I try and learn property? Um, or do I just stick with what I know, do that as well as I possibly can, make make sure it's lucrative, and then use those funds and partner with people. And I decided to go down that route so I can focus on what I do best and what I know, which is marketing, but then still have the advantages of building a portfolio for the long term. So yeah, fingers crossed, that was the best way to go.
1: <laughs> well, it sounds very sensible. So. <laughs> great well thank you so much for your time today uh it's been really interesting and uh, uh and i'm sure very useful for lots of people who would like to get started at least they've got some ideas of like what to do now and what to um you know what to what to start making so brilliant Amazing. well thank you so much and uh for anyone who is listening who's not yet a subscriber to the magazine please click the link in the show notes for your free 30-day trial thanks everyone for listening again and we'll see you next time Hello and welcome to YPN, your property podcast. My name is Michelle Cairns and today we've got with us Chris Moss. Hi, Chris.
0: Hey, Michelle. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me
1: great it's great to have you on and I know we have kind of uh, you know crossed paths in various uh, ways before on social media and through different networking meetings and groups Um, and it's been great to kind of see what you have been up to and how you have brought um, your background in marketing through to the property world and uh, you know and what you're doing now to help property entrepreneurs so I think you know today's going to be a really interesting podcast for people who are interested in how they can raise their profile um it's a topic that i think daunts some people um so it's great to have you on and you know it'd be great to kind of dig into what people can do um if they are a bit nervous about getting in the in the limelight so to speak so um but first of all do you want to just give us a, a quick overview of yourself and you've done some property um portfolio building
0: in, in your own uh, in your own way as well so let's start with there yeah, sure, sure. Absolutely. So a bit of background on me. So I started my first marketing company about 11 years ago, something like that, when I was in my second year at university and scaled that business to a team of 20. And we had an office on Oxford Street in London and worked with around about 300 large national brands to help them market themselves online. So sort of your O2s, Domino's, those types of companies. And then around about four years ago, I launched the oversubscribed marketing company. And that was after a bit of insight into the property world, which I'll sort of hopefully share a bit more on. And the oversubscribed marketing company helps property entrepreneurs raise their profile online. As you've said, it can be something that's daunting um, and we do all the heavy lifting. And yeah, that, that's what the oversubscribed marketing company now does. Um, so yes, that's a bit of background on on me. And then from a property perspective, as you mentioned, I built a small portfolio uh, over an 18-month period, um, which sort of gave me that insight into the property world, which is really where the inspiration for Oversubscribe came from, because I had this background in marketing and knew what a lot of other industries were doing. And there was a lot of stuff that property and the property industry wasn't doing but other sectors were and it was sort of merging those insight into the property from growing my portfolio but also having the background and um, other marketing company that I own.
1: Right so, yeah. and so what did you notice about when you kind of stepped into this property world, property education world, which uh, seems very kind of underground for people who who aren't familiar with it but um, coming into this community I suppose, what did you notice what gaps did you notice what people were missing in terms of their own profile and marketing?
0: Yeah, so I guess from a I guess it's a gift and a curse that property is potentially a very stable thing. So if you've got a portfolio, you potentially don't need to do that much marketing in theory and various other things because it is quite stable but what that i sort of realized is coming into this world is that there's um a lot of tactics that people are using in other industries that aren't necessarily being translated into property and the sort of first one that hit me when i first started going to networking events was um the quality of branding that Companies would have like a 99p logo with a picture of a house uh, and like a Vista print card. Not the, <laughs> it was like the, Made on Canva as well. It was exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. It was like the industry standard. Um, and then I came across a handful of small co- uh, other companies that we'd both be very aware of that actually were doing incredibly well. And one of the reasons for that was is that they really understood what we talk about, which is like perception is reality. So they had branded themselves correctly. They had nice looking websites. They had professional logos and all these other elements. And that was when I sort of realized, okay, there's, there's potentially a huge easy win here for the property community that does understand this uh, and apply some of those tactics.
1: Yeah, I think some people... I find are in the camp of, well, I, I don't need to do this. You know, they might be coming from a corporate world where they're not um, comfortable in social media, for example, or having a brand and they don't really see that need to do that in the property world. Um, and then there's other people who they really get stuck at this step, first stage if they need a business card and they need a website. Mm-hmm. And then they don't know where to go or how to find how, you know, to find somebody reliable or how much to spend and what is a reasonable amount. Um, and and rather than kind of getting out there and, and doing sort of income generating tasks as well, um, that they kind of procrastinate and stay stuck. So what would you advise people who um are looking to start their brand, but they don't know where to start?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I totally I totally get that when you've got a million things going on and I've been there uh, a number of years ago where you've got sales to do, you've got marketing, you've got operations, you've got to find stuff. You've got, <laughs> I appreciate there's a lot of stuff. And the key really with, from the branding side of things is don't do it yourself. Um, yeah. mainly because unless you are a designer it is going to it's not going to look good enough like obviously you can go on cat platforms like Canva and you can do it yourself or try but the reality is it's not going to look world class people will see that it's not quite there um so yeah first thing is don't do it yourself find a designer and it doesn't have to be overly expensive and there's different levels in which you can pay for all of this but there's kind of five key assets that I think everyone should have Um, and the first one is what I would call or what is called a branding pack and this is a really simple document that any designer can put together that has your logos that you use fonts colors and any any clarification in terms of where to use your logo what color backgrounds and it's really the foundational document that once you've got that you can give that to any designer and say look Please can you design me this advert or whatever it might be? And here's my branding guidelines. So that's the first one is a is a is a branding pack, branding guidelines. So that's really clear to anyone. And um, that's the that's the one that if everyone had, all of this would look good because you can give it to someone and they could use Canva, they could use Adobe. It doesn't matter because they know what what you what you like and what is your brand. So that's the first thing. Um, the second is having some form of branded brochure is is the next thing so like rather than when someone inquires about your services they might seen you online spoke to you at a networking event most people what they'll do is have long wordy emails or they'll have to talk to them on the phone and try and explain their services whereas if you've got a nice branded document that you can send to someone that clearly outlines structured in the right way then they've got that single document and um, deal sourcing is a great example of this is uh, and I'm sure you've probably seen it or come across them. I've definitely been in. You get sent a deal from, from someone who wants to sell your property, and it's like it's got spelling errors throughout, it's been done on like Word, and it's just it just doesn't inspire you to potentially buy something worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. <laughs> on the flip side, I know deal sources that are charging really premium prices because they've got a nice looking deck. And when they send it to clients, it's 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 all branded nicely. And it just inspires you that, okay, these are a legitimate, trusted company.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And just a few points I want to highlight. First of all, you know, getting that branding pack out and getting making the decision to get, get it done. You've got it. You've done it once and then you can use it forever. And I think you know, people do get stuck at the beginning, but actually, if they just nailed that once and for all at the beginning, made a decision, outsourced it, paid for it and and had it sorted, um, then you're using it for your whole journey. Now you're probably going to be in property for, you know, well, for for many people, it it might be their whole lives, right? So to have that um you know that as you say there the credibility it builds that confidence um not just in yourself that you're actually going to agents or you're going to landlords you're going to vendors whatever um you've got something professional and credible to present um but likewise on the other side when they see that they as you say it inspires confidence from them as well so um Great. I love these tips. The first two. Fantastic. (laughs) Keep going.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So they're they're the first ones. And we can talk about how to get these done and and sort of what sort of price ranges you should pay for them as well. Um. so, yes, they're the first two. The third one, which would literally put anyone listening in like the top three percent of their industry, is what we call a stationary stack. And basically what that is, is any touch point that you have with a client branding in it correctly. So it could be your email signatures, for example, and I'm sure we've all seen them where you get an email from someone, it's got a lovely signature. In fact, yours is a good example. Um. You. <laughs> I was just thinking. <laughs> and and it looks really, really smart and it just puts across that right impression when you email someone versus where you might just see it where it's just got someone's name and it just doesn't give you that credibility. So that's that's one of the things in the stationary stack. The other is a branded Word document. So whenever you are sending a document out, it might be a letterhead, it could be landlord letters, it could be whatever it might be, whatever touch point you've got with the market is that branded document just gives you that credibility. Um, And then there's lots of others depending on what you do. So like your social channels, um, your cover photos, um, all of those other touch points. And that varies depending on the company. But as you can imagine, if you've got if you've got your branding pack all sorted, you've got nice marketing material through your brochure and then every touch point that anyone comes across with you, uh, it then, yeah, it just gives that professional feel. We did this for ourselves um, and even though we do branding, it's what we do, um, we gave ourselves a sort of a, a level up um, in Q1 um, in one of my marketing companies and we actually increased our revenue by 40% by doing wow. nothing other than... Uh, simply increasing the touch points um, and improving them with the, yeah, along our process. And we also included like strategic things in there, like more quotes, um, stats, statistics, testimonials, so it wasn't just the branding, it was the structure okay. of it as well. Um, but yeah, that that 40% equated to hundreds of thousands of pounds in increase by purely just changing changing the strategy and structure of those documents. So yeah, even if whether you're at the start of the journey or sort of further down, like the impact it can have is huge.
1: So with the packs and, and the websites, et cetera, I think one thing that people get stuck on as well is they have different identities, I want to say. So when they're with a, you know, when they're with a landlord, that might be different. Let's say if they're looking for below market value deals or whatever, Um, and then if they go to an agent they might want to present themselves in a different way Um, hopefully a lot most people have got one strategy so let's say they're looking at service accommodation for example Uh, they might want a website that attracts guests and they can book direct but then do they use the same website to attract landlords and investors as well Um, another example if you've got HMOs whether you do you have a tenant facing profile or do you have an investor facing profile? Um, What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. So I think on the, so we talk a lot about raising your profile and being sort of a market leader within your space. And the first thing to just clarify, and it's probably the biggest mistake I see within the property community. um, And again, this is where it's slightly different to other industries is sometimes people can have multiple things going on they can have like four or five things they might be a deal sourcer a trainer and, and do all these different things yeah. which is potentially very confusing to the marketplace because they don't really know what you do and as a result you don't really own any of those spaces you're kind of like a bit of a jack of all trades potentially <laughs> not everyone but but some um so the, the best thing from a marketing strategy perspective is to choose one thing that you want to be known for and then go all in on that. It doesn't mean you can't do other things, um, but it just means that online you just talk about that single thing that you do, um, which then means that you get known for something as opposed to no one really knowing. So that's the first thing. And then in terms of your question on how do you choose which, like, do you have HMO agency, for example? Do you have on your site something for investors? Do you have something for uh, tenants? Like, how, how do you do it? So there's no clear cut answer for this I'm a, that I have, unfortunately. Um, however, the best case that I've seen um, where people have done this successful is having their personal brand that they use to communicate with investors and um, anyone where it's more of a personal uh, approach even the below market value deal hunting side of things is all from a personal brand and then they have a company brand which is the agency or whatever it might be that is more customer focused um, from a tenant perspective um, I know someone who who's uh, got very like tens of million pounds worth of uh, properties and that's the exact structure that he has um, which I think works really really well
1: that's a great tip Okay, right. And uh, so I've interrupted your, back that's to right. your, your checklist, go on. <laughs> no, no,
0: no, that's fine. So there's five, five, uh, the five different assets that that I think we should all have. So um, just to recap, branding pack is the first one, brochure and marketing material is the second, stationary stack is the third, which is the one that very, very few have, but really does sort of elevate you. And um, then the final two is a one page website, So, again, just a really straightforward website that is structured in a particular way to um, take whoever looks at it on a journey, almost, as opposed to what most people do, which is sort of procrastinate on building a website. They try and overcomplicate it. It's got like eight pages. And and. Granted, it could be really good, but it takes so long to build. The time it's built, it's sort of outdated. So I don't think for anyone early in their journey, that sort of makes loads of sense. A nice, clean-cut, one-page website would do the job and be 10 times quicker to build. Um, and then finally is their social channels. So just looking at their social channels, are they On point, point and that's for personal branding perspective if you're going down it from that route or from a company brand and yeah because again using the deal source example like the amount of times someone reaches out to me and says hey i've got this deal and i'll click through on their social profiles to try and like get some form of credibility who are they and like picture number three is them like down the pub with their mate and i'm like okay again it just doesn't give that impression so that's the fifth thing it's just are your social channels up to speed? If an investor was to look on your channels, would they would they take away what you want them to?
1: Yeah, I think it's something that people do overlook uh, too often. Yeah. Um, we had some guys on an apprenticeship and they worked with us. And, you know, I said, listen, the first thing I'm going to do is Google you. I'm going to look at your Facebook and I look at your Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Like, what can I see?" And it was just exactly that. Um, it's not something that's really talked about in schools either or certainly you know in if you're working for a company and you're very corporate you're probably as i said before more guarded about sharing depends on your industry um anything personal as well so it's it is i suppose getting that balance right between you know, coming across as human, you don't really want a faceless company, and that's it, you want to have some sort of uh, personal presence. And and that track record as well, so important. Uh, And I think that is something that, you know, having that brand awareness and having that um, social media presence really brings that credibility over time. So the sooner that you can start, the better, because then, people can really see your journey especially when you know people coming through the property journey and they're starting off and you know going to the networking meetings and then they get their first deal and then it it goes on and on so um so great and the website you mentioned there what sort of um price point can people you know uh, expect to pay at a starting point to get a basic website up and running
0: yeah so it is a a minefield to be truth there is a lot of um there's a full spectrum, so you can go to places like Fiverr.com, which is spelt yeah. with two R's, and on there you can find and access pretty much the the world's freelancing design community, as well as <laughs> well as loads of others that I'm sure many people might be aware of. And on there you could pay uh, for a one-page website, probably anything from a hundred pounds up to like I don't know what the upper limit <laughs> is, but it's probably like ten ten thousand plus. Yeah. Um, I once spent thirty thousand pounds on a website, which. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was was money wasted. <laughs> <laughs> so don't don't go to that extreme. Plenty of lessons learned. Um, yeah. However, yeah, you you do pay what you do pay for what you yeah. you get what you pay for. Um, however, you could get something very reasonable for somewhere between five hundred and a thousand pounds from someone who's got a good reputation, got a track record. Like that's the sort of range that you could do. Um, but if you think about the return on investment of that over the lifetime that you have a website, especially in property, which is sometimes where it can be frustrating, is it only takes one deal to pay for all of these different assets that I've just mentioned. If everything that I just mentioned is somewhere two to three thousand pounds, that's one de- one deal because or one investor lends you money or like the margins and the, the numbers are so big in property, it's so worth getting right. It's a different conversation if you're trying to sell t-shirts or something like that because you've got to sell a lot of t-shirts to recoup your money. And um, but with property, then you've only got to move the needle slightly with this stuff for it to really have a big impact.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and in terms of you know when you see people who are new to this and you know they they they're kind of maybe making some mistakes as we said before by using like low quality products um where do you think and we mentioned before about having lots of hats on and having lots of different things that we can be spending our time and money on where What do you think people would get the best return from their money, I suppose, from all of the things that you mentioned?
0: Yeah. So I think the best place to start is the branding pack so having a professional logo colors that's probably the the one that most people skip that step um, to be yeah. honest very few companies yeah. do it but then that means that they've not got that real solid document to hand over to people moving forward and um, so then they spend so much time oh no not quite that color not quite this whereas if they just had that it would cut it out so that's probably that's probably the starting foundation for ev- everyone i would say um yeah because yeah, but- then you can build everything from that
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And how about yourself then? So when you, you know, got started and you were working, you know, building your portfolio uh, and working with investors and agents, um, how did that, you you know, how did you find that? Did you think that, you know, your branding helped you stand out to get extra deals or um, more conversations with agents or vendors?
0: Yes. Yeah. So I'm going against here what I said you shouldn't do. So, While I spend all my time uh, and my whole my focus is marketing, and that's all I've sort of done, and that's my day to day business. Uh, As you said, I I do have a portfolio of properties that I've been purchasing, and the reason I did that is because I had had sort of retained earnings, and the 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 marketing company is successful to a uh, to a degree, and I wanted to invest those retained earnings that we had. So I was in a slightly unique position going into it, in that I did have a, a a pool of money. Um, and and an ongoing sort of stream of income. However, what I did know is that there would become a point where I might want to use investors. Um, I also had very, very little time to be able to do, uh, to be able to, go and source properties. so it was very hands-off for how i did it so i did use a deal sourcer um i i probably spent about an hour a week um and, and bought nine properties over uh, about 10 10 uh, about 15 months something like that, 10 15 months Um, so it, but it was ve- like it was very very hands-off for how i did it but because i had the funds it allowed me to do that however to your point i knew there was going to become a point where i wasn't able to um I was going to need investor funds potentially. So what I started to do is document my journey on my website. So I've got a, a personal website, Christopher-Moss.com. And basically the first nine properties I purchased, they're documented on there, like everything, like the strategy, the exact amount of money I spent, et cetera. Knowing, like you said, that there might become a time where having that backlog and credibility could really help me. Um. So, yeah, So so building that up. And then rather than me within my network being known as just Chris who really understands marketing, it was also Chris who understands marketing, but uh, he has an interest in property too, which a lot of people in my community, uh, property is not, not what they know. So it was quite a niche place for me to position myself too. Um, and as a result, I was able to, uh, in the end, use 50% of my own cash to buy the properties and then 50% of an investor's money. So I raised around about 250, £300,000, uh, purely off the back of me, yeah, knowing some people and having documented that journey. Um, our clients are, are probably more unique examples of this. So across our clients that we help raise their profile online and um, between um, over the last 12 months, we've raised about two million pounds worth of investment purely through their social channels and um, wow. Uh, one of those was a million pounds so one person got offered a million pounds from one person who's following them online so that sort of pulled up our averages quite a bit um but the the yeah it, it's well worth uh, anyone listening doing 100%. yeah absolutely
1: and uh, you know those are really impressive numbers there are people raising money on, on social media and uh, you know we hear about it more and more now um i think for people who are not used to posting regularly let's say you know on, on on instagram or facebook um then they get a bit overwhelmed by what content to put on and whether it should be more personal or more more professional and and also about sort of the content being valuable and in, in giving back and making it interesting and informative as well rather than just here's me at another networking meeting right yeah. so um so what do you kind of advise people to do in that sense so is that another just outsource it but even when you kind of outsource it that person still needs to provide the content right so how do you manage that that process
0: yeah, so I talk a lot about being a creator and not a consumer on social media. So a lot of people, as you'll appreciate, me included some days, sits there scrolling um, and just wasting time. And that's not where we want to be. It's like it's just a total waste of time. It's not productive. We want to be a creator um, and use these platforms effectively. Um, so that that's sort of the mindset we come from with with all of this. And then if people haven't done a sort of never used it before or just aren't that familiar with it, then choosing one platform. So it might be Facebook. It might be Instagram, whichever one makes the most sense. And then just having one message that they put out. So it's like one platform, one message, and then just starting once a week posting about their journey. Um, And it depends where people are at. If they've got properties already, then they can showcase those. They can do a post type that we call walk the talk. And it's a Wednesday walk the talk. Uh, And that's about on a Wednesday posting a single um, picture of the house you've just purchased or the refurb you're doing or something just to start building that credibility. Even if no one's watching, no one's liking, it doesn't matter because that investor in two years time, when they scroll all the way back by two years and go, okay, they've been doing this for quite some time it builds that credibility. Um, So yeah, that's the first thing. uh, If people have got properties, if they haven't, then documenting the journey is the best way. Um, So we have a post on a Friday that we call food for thought. And what food for thought is, is just sharing something in your journey and asking your audience for some input on that um, and taking people behind the scenes. Everyone's nosy. Everyone wants to see what you're up to. Um, So that's what that post type is is all about is taking that audience on a journey and just giving them insight. It might be that you go to a networking event. It might just be that you're looking around properties, whatever it might be. Um, And even if people just choose one platform post once or twice a week with that and just start to get familiar with the platforms is the is the best thing to do.
1: And do you think there's a uh, a better platform for people who are in property, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook?
0: Yeah, so it does depend on who your potential target client is. Uh, and also a little bit to depends on the content that you can create slash want to create. If you're good on video and you like video and you want to go down that route, then Instagram is probably a really good, good platform for that with their reels um, perform really well um, at the moment. Equally, there's a very large community on Facebook of property people, as, as you'll be uh, aware. So yeah, it depends what you're looking for, but that could work really well. Equally, if you want to tap into professionals and you're looking for high net worth individuals as investors, then obviously LinkedIn is is definitely the place to be because you can search on LinkedIn by like if you want to go and find all the dentists earning more than £100,000 that may want to invest their spare money in property, you can search that on LinkedIn. So yeah.
1: Right, and the social media management, is that something that your company can help with or is that something you have to outsource somewhere else?
0: Yeah, so that is something that we do. We are actually oversubscribed for the next 12 months. We've just finished uh, uh, an intake of new clients. So unfortunately, it's not something we can help with right now, but if someone's interested, then obviously they can reach out to me and come next year, we could support on that. Equally, I'm always happy to drop a message and guide and stuff like that. So yeah, that is something. Because we don't have the capacity, other places people can look for support on that is, again, places like Fiverr.com. However, um, like you said, you kind of need a bit of an understanding yourself on it to delegate it. What I wouldn't recommend for anyone, including anyone who chooses to work with us, is never having to do it, never have done anything before on social and then try and outsource it um, because it just... it just won't work because you won't understand what they want from you. And it's uh you'd be better to understand the basics yourself and then, and then outsource it. Um so, yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's probably the best way to approach it.
1: Okay. And in terms of the content there, so we touched on a few things with the social media, but actually producing, you said there about being, not being a consumer and being a producer. So are there certain types of content that you think are worth more time to invest in creating?
0: Yeah, so the main thing is consistency. Um, right. So while there are certain formats that would work really well, equally, the effort for some people to do that right off the bat might be quite high. Right. Um so it does depend on sort of where you're at. If you've never done it before, launching a YouTube channel probably isn't a good idea. Um, and <laughs> If you've got no time uh, and you don't really know how to do it, then it's probably not a good idea. Um, equally, any longer form content is generally pretty good um, at the moment, like podcasts, stuff like that, because even if no one listens to them at that point of recording later on down the line you could send it to someone so i did a podcast recently where i talked exactly how my strategy the exact strategy i did for building the portfolio and that's something now if i wanted to guide anyone to it's a long form piece of content i can easily guide people to and um, so yeah i think longer form if if you've got the capacity and the time to do it, it's great if not just social media is is probably the best place to get started
1: Fantastic. So you said there that you're oversubscribed, which um, is great to hear, because I think, you know, too often companies take on too much, you know, work, they kind of just say yes, and, and then yeah. they haven't got capacity to actually deliver at the level they want. So, um, so what, what are you up to now, then, other than kind of delivering the, the clients that you've got? Um, what's next?
0: Yeah, so there's two parts to our service. So the one is our content calendar service, is what we call it, and that's our social media management. That's the side that's oversubscribed. And then on a monthly basis, for a small handful of property companies, we create the branding assets that I went through. And um, so that's the that's uh, where our sort of I suppose new business comes from on a monthly basis is creating those. We only uh, have a, a capacity to do a handful every month because, as you'll appreciate, they're quite time consuming. And um, but yeah, that's that's where our focus goes on a outside of managing clients. That's the the other side of the team's focus at the moment.
1: Right. And on a personal level, in terms of your property, do you think you'll be looking to build more of the portfolio or you kind of, you know, you've got enough
0: going on at the moment? <laughs> Uh, yeah so uh so the first properties I um the 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 properties I bought uh, over that sort of small period were all around Newcastle and in the northeast um, but with the interest rates that's sort of uh made those not make as much sense anymore they're all on fixed interest rates thankfully so we're, they're all good but um new deals didn't stack up in the same mm-hmm. strategy I was doing there However, we've got um, a current property in Ireland, in Dublin, that we've um, purchased that's currently having a 40 metre extension. And it's quite a bit bigger than what we've done previously. Um, It's also a lot more expensive in Dublin than than, than (laughs) around Newcastle. Um, So, yeah, so that's where from a property investing portfolio side of things um, our focus is. However, as I say, that's all quite hands-off from my side of things. So I I fund it in short, but then have partners um, that actually uh, make it happen who are far, far more experienced in property than I am because I am not very experienced in property. I understand marketing, but yeah, I'm a a newbie in property.
1: Well, it just goes to show you if you've got the right partners in place that you don't need to be an expert in everything, that you just do what you do best and then you work with other people and uh, you can still build a portfolio. There'll be many people listening now who do have some funds you know tied up in a business or in in their own properties or whatever and they don't have the time uh, or inclination to go out and learn everything themselves so you know it's inspiring to hear that you've managed to do it anyway and you've just uh, partnered up with people and, and made it happen along the way so congratulations
0: thank you yeah my my sort of decision to make was like, do I go on a mastermind? Do I try and learn property? Um, or do I just stick with what I know, do that as well as I possibly can, make make sure it's lucrative, and then use those funds and partner with people. And I decided to go down that route so I can focus on what I do best and what I know, which is marketing, but then still have the advantages of building a portfolio for the long term. So yeah, fingers crossed, that was the best way to go.
1: <laughs> well, it sounds very sensible. So. <laughs> great well thank you so much for your time today uh, it's been really interesting and uh, uh and i'm sure very useful for lots of people who would like to get started at least they've got some ideas of, like what to do now and what to um you know what to what to start making so brilliant Amazing. well thank you so much and uh for anyone who is listening who's not yet a subscriber to the magazine please click the link in the show notes for your free 30-day trial thanks everyone for listening again and we'll see you next time